Good afternoon. Welcome back to Cresta in the Afternoon, second hour of today's program. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Marcus Peter. I'm the host of Unveiling the Covenant here at Ave Maria Radio. It's a program where we explore the pages of sacred scripture in light of the covenantal love of God the Father for all of us. For this first segment, in suburban America, we like our bumper stickers, yard signs, graphic t-shirts, and in the online world, we love our memes. But what happens when slogans become the basis of our conversations, influences become the authority on which the conclusions of our moral debate rest? We talked to Jody Benson about this particular concept. Jody is a freelance writer and editor with a master's degree in bioethics and humanities from the Medical College of Wisconsin. She's the author of Behold, a reflection journal where wonder, creation, and stewardship meet. She also writes monthly essays on Substack that ponder the creative life, and you can learn more about her at jodycbenson.com. Jody, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. The honor's all ours. So you, you've been pondering this intersection of morality for a while now, taking a look at creation, but also the culture. And in particular, you zoomed into the notion of the digital age, because it's true. There is a reality wherein our digital echo chambers, our social media echo chambers, have formed subjective moral relativism. So give us an overarching view of what you're seeing out there in the culture. Yeah, so... I studied bioethics um, about almost 10 years ago, and um, at the time, humanities was really starting to converge with bioethics. They were seeing the value that literature could provide for helping us to understand and unpack these ethical dilemmas, and that always resonated with me as someone with a background in literature and philosophy. Um, I did go to a secular institution, so there was a lack of an anthropology of the human person. But um, what I learned, I really carried through throughout um, my dialogue with others. And then within the last couple of years, I started noticing that when I would be in conversation with someone about some sort of ethical dilemma, the the authority that people were kind of um, drawing on to give grounds for their claims was really YouTubers or what they saw on Instagram. Mm -hmm. Social media had this strong force over them. And it really seemed more pernicious to me than this lack of media literacy. I -hmm. think that it wasn't so much that they couldn't discern a good source from a bad source, but really that they saw moral dialogue is more performative than substantive and normative. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, There was no telos to it. Right. Um, And I found that very problematic. Right. More theatrical than logical. Yeah. Yeah. Please continue. Sorry. I just wanted to uh, comment on that. Yeah. So then I thought back to um, when I read the book, Amusing Ourselves to Death, Mm -hmm. which is um, a pivotal book, especially for people who study Um, media in general and that's not really my expertise but this book was a book that I read in college and I thought back to it and I was like well it didn't resonate so much with me then because I didn't have access to a lot of um, media but I thought exactly what he's saying about television is what we're seeing with social media the Mm -hmm. form of social media itself this idea of entertainment and consumption right has really become the form in which people dialogue. Yep. Um, 
and we have lost language that is substantive. And I, it made me wonder, why is there a loss in that language, and how can it be recovered? Mm-hmm. And that was really what I was trying to explore in this essay of seeking moral vision, this idea that I'm trying to invite people into dialogue of how to figure this out rather than propose an answer. But we had to, we have to somehow figure out what is going wrong in our moral dialogue. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I, I taught high school for five years, and even in those five years of encountering teenagers, I saw the vernacular rhetoric evolve at a far more rapid pace than I had through my entire lifetime. And I know that a big reason for this is because of this this kind of limited abstraction that we are seeing social media platforms enable. So simple things like when we were growing up, the, the, the words were spill the beans. Well, now it's spill the tea, except spill the tea is no longer in anymore. At, at least it, it wasn't by the time I was leaving high school, and that, that was about you know, two or three years ago now. Oh, well, uh, a little over a year now. So uh, what we are seeing here is the evolution of the vernacular rhetoric at such a rapid pace, and that has ramifications on our language, our understanding of literature, and ultimately our morality, which is what you're trying to talk about here. So let's talk about the literary aspect first before we dive into morality. Um, sure. So I, I sort of propose in this essay that I think that literature is what it will help us to recover that language again. I think that literature does a couple of things. One, it takes us out of our very limited perspective um, of our life. It expands our moral imagination. Mm-hmm. It also is not abstract. So when you look at a lot of um, political opinions that people have or um, even what they think are ethical opinions, it's a lot of abstraction and ideology. And so literature will take us back into the particular and into the concrete. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that it can form our moral wisdom, which is something that is very much lost. So it's very much tied to, to this idea of recovering our sense of virtue. Right. Um, and I think that the poetic imagination, the moral imagination is what helps us to see reality again, because much of our life we can go by without really seeing and understanding what we did throughout the day and what we saw. Uh-huh. And it really puts us much closer to reality. And I think and takes us away from just consuming a barrage of images, but rather being able to actively receive the world the mm-hmm. way it is. That's right, because digital platforms become entertainment echo chambers, and in the process, they divorce you from being being able to abstract true reality. And if you're unable to do that, you can't see the objective for objective sake, which we're seeing in heaps and spades in the culture now. So from there, then, if good literature becomes the vehicle through which we reinform our moral imagination, the lack of it, therefore, has resulted in moral subjectivism that we're seeing in the digital sphere. So tell us about that. Yeah, so what I what I personally have been seeing is um, people using social media platforms to sort of exercise this, what they think is moral thought. So like through a reaction or through a, click, a quick knee-jerk reaction to something, right? And that is 
that's very problematic because that is not how we actually exercise our normative capacity, our ability to actually handle deep, substantive, ethical problems. Mm-hmm. And, um, and social media operates in such a way that it really um, helps, like it allows people to see that it's completely valid. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see a lot of anger and emotion because that is precisely what how social media functions Mm -hmm. on us as humans is it is trying to elicit those extreme emotions and we know as like aristotle says right um we are looking for ways to grow into in virtue in a way to um exercise wisdom so that we can use our emotions in such a way that they draw us closer to goodness and to making prudent choices right and I mean, I guess logically, so anyone who's listened listening to this knows logical rhetoric, rhetoric grounded in objective wisdom is appealing, but certainly not entertaining. Meanwhile, emotional knee-jerk reactions can sometimes be deeply entertaining and yet completely unappealing. And yet there's this kind of shock value. It's the reason why we can't look away from a train wreck. And, and so these things wind up forming our intellects, albeit in the wrong way. Yes, exactly. Um... And one key point with Neil Postman is that he was very suspicious um, of the sort of of the jokes that were being sort of touted with an agenda. And so we see that, too, especially with the meme culture and when people try to send forth an ethical or a normative claim through this ironic meme. Um, And that, too, becomes problematic, especially when we don't see how exactly that's functioning um, on us and how it's not functioning properly in terms of creating good moral dialogue within our own communities. Right. And and therein lies the problem. When when we are grounded in reductionistic platforms that engage in reductionistic rhetoric, we wind up having a reductionistic morality. So I completely hear you. For example, you know, these memes that are flying out saying stuff like from the river to the sea, uh, without even attempting to take a stance either side, right? The fact of the matter is we need to ask ourselves, what river, what sea? We need to ask ourselves what that means until you realize, well, that's from the Jordan River to the Mediterranean Sea. And it is a call for the eradication of the state and therefore the displacement of the people who live in that state. And we have an obligation to assess that morally, properly speaking. But it's catchy. Euphemistic uh, idioms, euphemistic rhetoric like this fly across social media because they don't warrant true moral examination. Yes, exactly. Um, and I think that, again, this has to do very much with what people are reading. And I'm not saying to read um, anything. I think that good literature was, is what matters, and that can be debated, debated on what exactly qualifies as good literature. But it's really um, what people don't understand is how it really can form our moral imagination mm-hmm. in such a way that we can start to see how these devices like voice and point of view metaphors and symbols really operate not just as an aesthetic and technical choice, but they are part of the moral form of literature itself. And they are really ways of forming us in a stronger moral imagination so that we can handle moral dialogue with substantive language that matters and is meaningful and that ties us back to our community rather than disconnecting us from each other and from reality. Mm -hmm. 
Absolutely. And to that end, we if we want to explore the question of good literature, there's no better place to start than the classics. You know, these yeah. are things that have been timeless, demonstrated as timeless and true, and therefore good and beautiful. Yes, I completely agree. Um, the classics have a lot to teach us. So I've been talking to Jody Benson, freelance writer and editor with a master's degree in bioethics and humanities from the Medical College of Wisconsin. You can learn more about her work at jodycbenson.com. Jody, thank you so much for joining us. This was an enlightening conversation. I'm Marcus Peter, filling in for Al Cresta on Cresta in the afternoon. <laughs>